Hello and welcome to Primary Sources, a spin-off podcast from the Doctor Who show where we take what fans were saying about Doctor Who in the 80s and the 90s, generally in letters to Doctor Who magazine, and we riff on it. The conversation might stick closely to what's said in the letters, or it might go somewhere else entirely. This is podcasting without a safety net. For this episode, I'm joined by Alicia Neptune from the thedigitaldirus.ca, where you can find all manner of creative projects that she's up to. Hello, Alicia. Hello, Rob. So happy to be here. Yes, it's it's been a long time coming since you first did a, a YouTube video about us. Yes, uh, hard to believe, but one YouTube video really sparked off a sort of chain reaction of connection and bonding around Doctor Who. It's been good. You had your your viewers doing things, and then we riffed on that and did a show about it. Oh my god, it's great. <laughs> That's the creative <laughs> process at work. Exactly right. Are you intrigued as to what issue of Doctor Who magazine I have in front of me? I am so curious. This is Doctor Who magazine number 102 of July 1985. Were you born then, Alicia? <laughs> uh, no, that was uh, nearly a decade before my time. <laughs> well, we're going to have some fun with the letters in this one. Let's kick off. The first one is called Sounds Familiar. Can you help me? I was a Doctor Who fan when I was nine. Now I have started being one again, and I am 14. The public TV channel I watch it on shows repeats featuring Tom Baker. The first ones I saw started with the good old credits that just start out with a square sort of psychedelic tunnel and music that goes da-na-na-na, na na and then wee-oo-wah. And the tunnel gets round, and you see Tom Baker's face come down the tunnel. I love those credits. Sometimes they're my favourite part of the show. But now they have new credits that start out with a sort of And lights go by, and it's going through space, and Baker's face gets formed from stars, and they play different music. Are the episodes featuring the new credits also repeats? And that's from Clinton Orman, and he doesn't give where he's from. I assume the US. Tom Baker credits. <laughs> so I can't tell if he's a, a fan of the updated 80s credits uh, or not. <laughs> it is a little bit of a transition to suddenly see Tom's face appearing from a star field. Mm -hmm. Which do you prefer? Oh, I think that I like the classic 70s credits. Yeah. But um, I actually I do love the 80s music, though. I will say it, it never felt like Tom's music, though. It feels like Davo's music. Yes. <laughs> Davo's music, precisely. <laughs> <laughs> never, never would have called Peter Davison Davo until I started listening to your show, but there it is. Our job is done. <laughs> Our job <laughs> is done. We've got a Canadian saying Davo. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, look, this is... I mean, uh, he's written these words out. Vizhu, he's written V E E Z. H e e w. I yes, think that's I loved your 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 poetic <laughs> performance of the Doctor Who theme song. I've never done it in my life. I'll never do it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that he says are these episodes featuring new credits also repeats. Maybe for it's hard to tell with public broadcasting in the U.S. because they were just showing stuff willy nilly. I mean. In the late 80s, they were showing Hartnell episodes in some states and stuff like that. That's how we used to get copies of Hartnell stories back in the 80s. I guess they could have even been showing for the first time there in the mid-80s, perhaps. 
It's hard to say. It's such a different way of watching than the way I've now encountered Doctor Who. Because I know that um, the classic series did broadcast in Canada, but it was a li- it was really sort of before my time, mostly when it was airing. And by the time that I got around to watching it, I was just streaming everything on BritBox. So it all yeah. just sort of, every era blends together seamlessly. <laughs> Well, in a funny way, you're having the experience that we had in Australia because we had so many repeats and the the UK didn't. So in Australia, you grew up watching Pertwee, Baker, you know, Davo all in one year. So all of those guys were your doctor. And the experience could be similar for you watching everything almost at once. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, rather than watching an entire era of just one Doctor. I mean, obviously, there's the current Doctor, the incumbent, but you're also watching whatever you want these days with streaming. It's it's, it's quite amazing. You know what it makes me wonder is mm-hmm. when it comes to... People always talk about, well, in some ways, your, your first Doctor is often sort of your favourite Doctor or the one yeah. closest to your heart. Well, does that ring true for people who watch everything on streaming? Is is it still the same experience of your first Doctor is kind of your favorite oh. Doctor if you've just sort of picked a spot to start and are watching from from there? I don't know. That's interesting. I guess it depends on how much you watch. Like if you watch a Tom Baker and think, I like him, and then you watch another 10 Tom Bakers, maybe he becomes your guy. But if you watch a Tom Baker, then you think, well, what's this Sylvester McCoy about? And you watch one of his, and then you watch a Pertwee. You could be all <laughs> over the place. Now, I will say this. Technically, aside from the very, very first episode mm-hmm. where we're, you know, in the junkyard and we see the TARDIS land, I don't think I even watched that whole story. I had seen that first episode. But aside from that, the very first classic story, like complete story I ever watched was The Twin Dilemma. <laughs> no. Oh my. And you <laughs> because, came back. <laughs> I did because I had gotten into Big Finish stories Um, before I started watching the classic series properly. And I had listened to a Colin Baker story called Urgent Calls, and I Mm -hmm. went, wow, this is really great, and I really like this doctor. (laughs) And so I went, I'll just start with Colin's first episode. Oh, no. (laughs) And I have to say that to this day, the sixth doctor feels like my doctor. Like yeah. he and and even though the first television story I watched of his was terrible and I didn't continue to watch his era, I went back to season twelve and started with Tom. Very um, wise. I I still yeah I think that for me it was a little bit like the first classic Doctor whose story I watched. He he nestled himself in my heart, and uh, I still feel very strongly and I defend old Sixie. Oh, well, I think Big Finish is definitely the way to get into Colin. For sure. Got some good stories, but on Big Finish, he is just fabulous. Absolutely. Well, that segues nicely, because I think you'll really like this next letter, based on that information. This next letter is called The Best Yet. I am writing to congratulate you on your 100th issue, which is the best yet. The item entitled Legacy of Gallifrey and the Robert Holmes interview were very interesting. Your magazine has improved greatly in the one and a half years I've been reading it. Now, this is where I think it'll get interesting for you, based on what you just told me about Sixty. I do not usually write to your magazine, but I had to comment on season 22. The stories and acting was superb, especially Attack of the Cybermen, Mark of the Rani, The Two Doctors, and Revelation of the Daleks. 
I would have liked to have seen far more of the Daleks in the Dalek story. The Daleks seemed almost irrelevant to the story. The reason Vengeance on Varos and Timelash were so poor was because the stories were weak and they were made entirely in studios. It would be better if the stories were all filmed on location and more monsters were involved. A lot of people would like to see the return of the Ice Warriors, Yeti, Autons and Wirren. I will be glad when Doctor Who comes back after its break. Ah, oh, this must be the, uh, the hiatus period. It will be nice. Oh, here we go. It will be nice for it to go back to one 25-minute episode a week, 26 weeks a year. <laughs> it seems the last couple of years that it's hardly been on our screens for more than a couple of months. That's from Simon Cornish in Exeter. A very optimistic Simon Cornish, I might say. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have to say, one of the first things I picked up on is apparently Simon does not like Vengeance on Varos. Am I mm. am I hearing that correctly? He, he doesn't like it. He thinks the story is weak and he doesn't like that it was made in a studio. Baffling. Absolutely <laughs> baffling. Uh, because that's a brilliant story. And in fact, season 22, I have to say, in general, I'm in agreement. I think that it's it's a wonderful season and I enjoy it a lot. I can't say that the location filming saves it for me. Um, <laughs> the Two Doctors remains a bit of a mess despite its wonderful location filming. Yeah, I think they just wanted a holiday there, basically, the production team. And wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, it's pretty... Spain is pretty nice, yes. <laughs> Attack of the Cybermen, what have we got there? We've got some London in there, that's not bad. And we've got a quarry, I guess, for locations. Well, you've always got to have a quarry. It's Doctor Who. <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, but Ven Vengeance on Varos, I would say, is... Ooh, how would I rank it? Probably the second best in that series for me. Yeah, I, I love it, and I love Revelation. Although I, I like... I think I like most of the stories in that season. I have a special soft spot, I think, for Mark of the Ronnie. Mm -hmm. um, just because I adore the Ronnie. And ah. I, I've, I am one of those people that sort of wished she would come back. Because she's only in two stories, mm -hmm. and we're not counting dimensions in time. Um, <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> but I actually, I actually love both stories. I think Mark of the Rani is quite interesting and establishes this really a wonderful Time Lord character who can stand alongside the Doctor and the Master and have their own motivations and be interested and also observe these two sort of frenemies and say, I don't want to get involved in whatever the two of you have going on. I'm just trying to get on with my science. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's amoral, but she's not evil per se. No, which I think makes her interesting in a different sort of way than people who are out there in it for power or just sort of purely these this evil force in the universe mm. i really i like therani <laughs> but man also simon mentioned wanting to see the return of some classic monsters yeti yes. autons and the weirin <laughs> yes I, the I have to say that for some reason even though they are just green bubble wrap, the Weirin, <laughs> they make me so uncomfortable. <laughs> something it's pretty about creepy. The, something about the way that they move uh, as they are sort of just crawling along the arc, <laughs> it, it makes me deeply uncomfortable. It's very unsettling, and they've been one of the more memorable 
sort of one-off monsters for me. Yeah, we, we often joke about that, that when they're in close-up, they just sort of jiggle while they talk. But when they're pulling <laughs> pulling the little ones over the arc, it's actually quite funny to look at. <laughs> uh, Simon also hopes the show will come back after the hiatus 26 weeks a year, which is what I was meaning when I said he's quite optimistic, Simon. Uh, <laughs> the, show, the show didn't, of course, and Trial of a Time Lord was a lot shorter than that. Yeah, and I feel like, gosh, Simon, are you horrified by the state of Doctor Who currently? Where we're, we're, we're like, oh, that, that was the season. It was six episodes. See yeah. you in a year and a half. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, to think that in the Sylvester era, I mean, you weren't around, of course. You weren't born. But <laughs> us fans who were there holding the flag, we were like, oh, this is terrible. There's only, you know, 14 episodes. This is the pits. Now we're down to six. It's incredible. Anyway, let's move on to the final letter. I had a choice of two here. I didn't know which one to take, but I think this one might give us uh, give us something. It's called In the Know. I read in Doctor Who magazine a letter from a British fan who said that he wished you would keep knowledge, such as the return of old enemies, to yourselves. I have to disagree. Over here in America, only public broadcasting stations show Doctor Who and thanks to the BBC production team, they are now just on episode 6 of John Pertwee's Ambassadors of Death, showing only one episode a day. The only way we can see new shows is at Doctor Who conventions. In fact, the only Colin Baker story I've ever seen is The Mark of the Rani. So keep up the good work and keep telling us all about the new shows. That's Eli Braden from Salem in the USA. Hmm. That kind of makes me think about people who fall strongly on one side or the other about sharing spoilers uh, about upcoming episodes. Like, how much information do you want to know? It's the 1985 take on spoilers. (laughs) I feel like spoilers were easier to avoid when you had to subscribe to Doctor Who magazine in order to be spoiled. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of with him. I think it's fine for the magazine to have it. You have a choice on whether to open the magazine or not. It's not quite like the internet. No. And I mean, if you're that starved for content, I can see why you'd be eager to hear about what's happening currently. That's like a big part of fandom, I think. That's part of why, even though I have not seen the rest of Jodie Whittaker's era, I tuned in for Flux. Because sometimes it's just nice to feel like you're you're up to date and you get to participate in the conversation as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. I've got to say his experience of seeing the new shows, as he calls them, at conventions is how we kind of had to do it, too, because we were about a year behind in this era in seeing stuff. And we had to go to um, to conventions, gatherings of fans and watch pirated tapes. I have to say, we've we've been joking about my youth so far on this episode but one of the wonderful things about listening to the podcast is getting a bit of insight into what fandom looked like in the 80s and 90s and how people were encountering the show and what the experience of going to clubs and conventions was like because it's so different from my own experience of fandom and it's been really interesting to think about and it's changed my perspective on a few things oh really Yes. So for one, I've already mentioned I'm a big fan of the Rani and her two Mm -hmm. stories. And that does include Time and the Rani, which, as season openers go, is not one of the more loved season openers in Doctor Who history. (laughs) No, you are correct. 
And I always thought, well, like, these are just campy, fun episodes. You know, I really like season 24. I don't see why people are so down on it. But I was forgetting about the experience of watching Doctor Who as it's coming out and being nervous about the future of the show, which has Mm -hmm. just avoided cancellation with Colin. And it comes back and it looks like Panto. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can see why, as a fan, you might not be very receptive to that, and you might resent that episode. Yeah, it was a different time. And even, you know, Dave and I talk about this, we can look back on season 24 episodes now like a, um, I don't know, Delta and the Bannermen, and go, that's really fun. That's a fun thing to put on a rainy Saturday afternoon. But at the time, oh my God, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) You know, it's, it's your perspective at the time perception i don't know what i'm trying to say but yes you're on the money with with that by being able to look at what we say about it and and then look at how you feel about it and see that they're two different things but for reasons yeah that's just one insight that i'd gained from listening to the podcast and uh it's also been interesting seeing different people's perceptions of stories you realize that the show's been going on so long and it does mean different things to different people. Most of the time, if you watch a television show, you can at least agree what the show is kind of about and what the general mm-hmm. vibe is. And that's not necessarily true with Doctor Who. That It's been through so many different evolutions over the years. Exactly. And, and that's why some fans come and go because the the era they come in on they just love and when it changes because it will always change they just can't handle it if i can put it that way (laughs) you know whereas other fans are like oh i accept that this is not for me but i'm still going to watch because i like the concept but other people are like hey that guy i liked in the role has left oh well i'm leaving too it's it's very diverse it was absolutely true for me because right now i've decided i'd like to get caught up on the new series. I haven't really watched, aside from a few stories, um, like um, Mummy on the Oriented Express and a few others, I hadn't seen much of Capaldi's era. And I thought, well, Mm -hmm. do I want to start with him or should I go back and rewatch some of Matt Smith's? I wasn't going to go back all the way to the beginning because I've seen those first four series a lot. (laughs) But as I was watching season five and season six of Matt Smith, I was going, oh, yes, okay. I, this this was still fun. There was that fairy tale vibe in season five. I was really enjoying it. We got our Silurians back. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm digging this. And then by the time I got to season seven, I went, oh, yes, this is why I stopped watching the show. <laughs> it had become something very different than what I was used to and expecting. And I went, Hmm. The the plot has gotten so complicated. Mm. Uh, it feels sort of like this. The each season was and season six feels like this. Like it was one giant conspiracy that we were just along the ride for, and we were starting yeah. to to unravel it. And some of that mystery was fun, and the character dynamics were fun, but it started to wear thin for me after a while. And by the time I got to season seven, I was a bit exhausted of it. I said, no, Moffat, where was that fun fairy tale adventure vibe that we had going on in the early years? <laughs> exactly. And look, it's, series seven is just weird in general. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think Dave rates it highly. I, I don't. I think Matt Smith's best series is his first one, to be honest. I would have to agree. But yeah. then I'm sure there are people that absolutely love Series 7 and think that's what Doctor Who should be. 
mm-hmm. are just hoping for another season like that. Uh, and I respect that opinion. Yeah, that's that's fandom. <laughs> Every, everyone's got a different opinion. That's fandom. And thanks to Twitter, we can all read what they are all the time. <laughs> exactly right. And on that bombshell, I want to say thank you so much. This 20 minutes has gone by so fast. But thank you for joining me for those three letters. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Great conversation. And I'm so glad I could offer a, a young Canadian perspective on the show. <laughs> I'm glad you could too. <laughs> <laughs>